Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Music Laws Fighting for Justice Radio. Don't underestimate the other guys, Green. Robert, Mark, and Reed. You have the right to remain silent. Let me shut up. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. They see me rolling. They hate Music Laws Fighting for Justice Radio analyzes civil cases in the news, trends in the law, and covers all legal current events. Each week, Music Laws Fighting for Justice features newsmakers, attorneys, media personalities, celebrities, experts, business people, and so much more. Music Laws Fighting for Justice. Straight talk, no nonsense. I'm going to make them an offer again with you. Now it's time for Music Laws Fighting for Justice Radio. Here are your hosts, Robert, Mark, and Reed. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Reed Brightman, and this is a special segment of Kuzik Laws Fighting for Justice. We have our client, Victoria Von Perling, on the line, and we're going to find out about this breaking news story about a mountain lion that has terrorized a community in Malibu, and after killing 65 uh, farm animals over the last eight months, and uh, including 10 of our clients' alpacas last Saturday, uh, our client took out a permit to, and was issued a permit to kill the mountain lion. And this brought a great community uh, outcry and uh, a lot of uh, action and news coverage. And the story has developed from there. Uh, Victoria, welcome to the show. Thank you, Reed. Um, Victoria, tell me, uh, tell tell us what happened here. You 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 bought the house or this ranch four years ago, and and then uh, wh- why did you buy the ranch, and what were your hopes? Well, at the time, my husband and I were looking for a place to retire to, and uh, it was A1 agricultural land, um, only 3.14 acres, but just an incredible opportunity to um, have some livestock, you know, some farm animals, and to um, live our, you know, live our remaining days in a beautiful wilderness setting. We just didn't realize how wild it was, and how, um, and how predacious mountain lions were. So, in the in these four years, you've suffered some some attacks from this one. This, you think from this one particular lion? Tell us about that. He's forty-five. We we had nothing the first three years. Everything was great. So we really had no reason to be concerned. Um, we saw it, and then a year ago, we lost a very young Kriya, a baby alpaca, and we thought it was uh, coyotes, but now we probably we understand that it was probably a mountain lion attack because the neck was crushed. So um, then nothing else until um, the, the shears came in May, and they said, haven't you heard about the mountain lion attacks in your area? And we were like, no, what are you talking about? We haven't heard anything about that. And then within a week of that, we had our first mountain lion attack. And, and I think what it probably was was two of the males, one of the males got out of a pen, and they fought. And I think the blood 
actually through the mountain lion to the area. Because, oh, through the male um, alpacas got out of the pit. Yeah, through the male alpaca. And so um, it, it, there was an attack on one, and then it was a Saturday night. I don't know why, but um, the last attack was on a Saturday night as well. But it, um, it attacked this older alpaca that we had, and I thought, well, you know, there are wildlife in this area. This is probably a mountain lion, and, you know, maybe it's a mom um, feeding her cubs or something. And it, it was really sad, and I felt horrible, but I, I thought, well, you know, it's probably, it's probably going to happen every now and then. But I didn't realize that mountain lions can kill so indiscriminately. This man, Murray, in our local area, and actually in the area of I think Malibu Lake, he lost his entire um, herd of mixed sheep, goats, and um, he had a pack also in one night. It just it killed everything and uh, ate nothing, took nothing, and it it was disheartening, as you can imagine. And, yeah. um, <clears throat> so, so yes. that that was so, last May, and it, it killed a, uh, a bunch of animals then. I, and then my, my understanding is since then it, it killed a total of 10 until last Saturday. And then last Saturday it, it came and killed 10 animals, 10 of your alpaca Saturday, in one night, yes. right? Yes, it came. And, it was like uh, Guernica, Picasso's Guernica. It was a scene of total destruction and um, uh, just just gluttonous death. It, it just seemed like nothing was missing except for the testicles of this one alpaca, and I couldn't believe that anything would kill that many creatures. You know, nature is usually conservative, I thought, where and animals kill what they need to survive. But um, I've learned since from the National Forestry Service that, in fact, um, um, mountain lions will kill. It's not unusual for them to kill this way. It's it's surprising. Um, I, I I always also thought that uh, predators would kill what they eat, and they wouldn't just kill things just to kill things, uh, or or they might kill things that threaten them. So, um, what? How did you find out about it? You were where were you, and did you get a call, or were you did you just walk out of your door? What happened? I got a call from. Um, um, another alpaca owner, Mary D. Rickards, who had had one of her uh, oh, five, five out of eight of her alpacas slaughtered earlier in the year by P45. It was considered it was P45, and so she just wanted to know one of another. There's only a few of us in, in that area on Mohon that um, have alpacas, and so another alpaca owner had been driving home, and they were on Mohon, Lower Mohon, and they saw a an alpaca cushed, which means like down kind of with its legs tucked underneath it, um, on Mahone Highway. And they pulled over and they put a little leash on it and they let it down to the the petting zoo. And they, the petting zoo was kind enough to let them keep that alpaca for the evening. And, and it's still there right now because we thought it would be safer. But that same petting zoo was attacked the next night. But anyway, so um, this woman, Suzanne, called Mary D. Rickards, and she texted me. And I went out there. And um, I was not. You went out. You went out there to check to see if that was your alpaca. I went out there to see if because my alpaca it looked different at night. It looked different. It looked different. Its face looked different, and that was because the talon had been kind of scratched part of its face open, and so it was it was looking a little different in that situation. And so as soon as I got there, we saw that I guess a total of four alpaca had been killed in the in this little pen where we'd had no threats before, and I, I actually thought it was safe because it was so close to the house, and um, 
quit the mountain lion had tried to carry one over the fence and hadn't been able to. So it, it hadn't successfully carried one away. It didn't need anything except for, again, the tentacles of the one. There were, I think, six that were killed in the other pen. One of the, two of them were pregnant females, and, and one was this, this Cusco, and that was the one who um, was initially just partially eaten that first night. And then, I guess, two nights later, after the mountain lion stole the goat from the petting zoo, because it's $20,000 enclosure that the mountain lion jumped on top of, but the top part was mesh, and it was a very durable mesh, so the mountain lion was just um, dangling above all these prey animals, and they freaked out, and they pushed the gate open, and it was when they pushed the gate open and escaped from their own protective enclosure that the mountain lion was able to, I think he killed two, he took the goat, and he went to eat it, and probably in the ravine or whatever was the closest deep shrubbery that he could find. Mm. So when you when you got there and you saw these slaughtered alpaca, uh, is that when you decided that you're going to try get one of these permits to that permits you to kill uh right. p45 for our listeners the 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 wildlife the department of fish and wildlife name uh the lions that they track via tracking collars and p stands for puma and a, a mountain lion is, is is a puma or a cougar it's the same thing and so they named them P and a number, and this particular mountain lion is called P45. That's that's why Victoria is referring it to that. So, um, is that when you decided to get this permit? That's right, because I I knew because I joined the community association of people who also had different um, mountain lion attacks in that same area by that same mountain lion, and so I knew that a lot of people in my community had been attacked, and it seemed like it. I thought it was an aberrant. Um, mountain lion, that there was something wrong with it, and that, um, you know, people that have been long-term residents of the area have been saying this has never happened to us before, there's something wrong with this lion, I, you know, there may still be something wrong with this lion, but um, yes, that is when I took out the the predation warrant, I guess it's a predation license, and then contacted Wendell Phillips, who'd um, he, with he and his wife, Randy Rickards, had kind of spearheaded the group, the organization of the people that had been affected by these kills. Uh, and so um, Wendell got involved, and um, he was the one who had taken out a predation license earlier, and I guess in March, because of the animals killed on his property, and actually he thought he'd hit it in the head. Um, the animal had fallen. It had been stunned, and um, I think Park... Uh, Fish and Game had actually tracked the animal to where they thought it had, it had been killed. They thought it was a dead body because it was lying there for 24 hours and it hadn't moved. And as they approached it, it ran away. And so they realized that it was alive and didn't pursue it further. But I thought that that potentially meant that it, you know, it was more dangerous because it read that sometimes mountain lions that are, um, are wounded are actually dangerous to people. And so that was where um, where it started for me was realizing that it, it affected so many members of the community with animals and that it might actually be a danger to humans as well. And that's um, Wendell pursued it. Um, he, I guess he contacted some people and said his intent was to um, to remove it. And he okay. hoped to remove it to another area. And um, Oh, so his intent wasn't to kill it. It was to capture it and remove it to a different I, area? I think ideally that was his his goal. Initially, when he first he first signed up for his predation warrant license, 
he'd ask for a dart gun because he's a, an expert shot, and he'd ask for a, a dart gun so he could uh, subdue the animal so it could be relocated safely for the benefit of not only the animal but for the community. Um, and that is illegal. He found that it was much easier. Uh, what What is legal if it comes on your property, if it kills your livestock, um, you can apply for this predation warrant, but you cannot legally um, subdue it and relocate it somewhere else. And you I can't capture it. The, the way the code works is you cannot capture it. You can't do anything other than exactly what the permit says. And your permit was written that you can kill it and you can only kill it with a firearm. Uh, it's but very specific. No lead. And then, no lead. I'm sorry? No lead. Interestingly enough, that was part of the the stipulation in the in the, the license to kill. Interesting. And it says that uh, after the animal's killed, you have to uh, turn the carcass over to wildlife, uh, Fish and Wildlife Department within 72 hours. Uh, it's right. very, very specific. And um, originally, when you took it out, did you were you thinking that you would have it killed, or were you hoping that it would that that the permit would allow you to just capture it and remove it? You know, let, let put it in a zoo or a sanctuary or something. I wanted to keep my options open and continue to talk with the people that had more experience on it than I had. But I definitely, ideally, it could have been relocated. I found out today from one of the wildlife experts studying specifically P45 in that group that it's like if you catch a, a rattlesnake and you release it more than two miles away from its home, there's a very, very low chance that it's going to survive. It's the same thing with a mountain lion. So if you release it into the wild, unless uh, it's within its own home range, it's very likely that it will have to fight the other dominant male in the area and that one or both of those cats will die, depending upon the outcome of that fight. Wow. And that was uh, Jeff from the National Park Service, right? Jeff Fickett, Jeff. Yeah, he was he was very helpful. So yeah. yesterday, um, I attended a meeting on your behalf, and I I addressed a crowd of about 200 people, and I told them that you really didn't want the animal to be killed, if at all possible, and you would prefer that it be relocated, uh, if possible, um, and that you were in discussions with the National Park Service and Sheila Kuehl's office and the uh, fish and wildlife people, and that you were gathering information and getting some education on what potential options there were, and you had put the uh, put on hold all efforts towards shooting the the lion, and then. Uh, and the crowd was pretty hostile yesterday, I, I will tell you. And then uh, I got a bunch of information from them, and I brought that to you. And you were able to speak with Jeff this morning and get some education and get some uh, some your fears alleviated somewhat. And and you were able to evaluate these options. And then we, you know, you decided that you're going to not act on the permit, and we we announced that at a press conference this morning at 11, and that was very well received. How do you how do you feel about that decision, and what what led you to make that decision? I think more options was the key thing. You know, you read also came up with some ideas, reaching out to people in Sheila's office, and also um, just getting more experts online. Um, the my concern is still that it is going to predate on my neighbors 
my my neighbor's thought. I, I am concerned about how easy it's become for this mountain lion. I'm wondering if it's a lack of deer in the area. Supposedly there are a lot of deer. I've never seen any deer in the forest. I've lived there and I've seen two mountain lions. Well, I've seen one. My husband saw two. And supposedly for every animal that's a predator you see, you have to see a certain number of um, prey animals that it would feed off of. And I haven't seen those, so I don't know if the area in West Malibu is especially thinned out because it's a higher um, number of mountain lions in that area, and that's why they're attacking livestock. Or if, um, or if, you know, deer is just really good at hiding. I see them on the, the lawn, you know, at Pepperdine. You see, that's the only place I've seen deer recently, and I've seen them as roadkill on two of the major um, thoroughfares through the valley to the ocean. Um, Mal- Malibu is Virginus and Canaan. But that's well, it in four years. On the uh, In the presentation yesterday, Jeff said that on average, a mountain lion will kill about one deer a week and that their primary food source, about 85% of what they eat are in the Santa Monica Mountains are called mule deers, uh, mule deer. And uh, again, it's uh, one, about one a week. But if you look at the behavior patterns of P45, this particular lion, he's killed 65 uh, animals in the last eight months or so. And so that's what we that's only what we see. And I guess it's possible right. that he's running around killing all the deer and not eating them. So if he's right. he's I been behaving that, that way among the deer population, I can see the deer population being wiped out because the deer point. population is not going to be able to withstand 65 animals in 8 months as opposed to one animal a week. That's right. That's true. And then also someone mentioned that the water the the water shortage might be part of the problem as well for why they're through deer. The woman just on the street from me, um, Yvonne, she's been there 40 years, and she said when she first moved there, the area was just, you know, rampant, with, and now it's not. And she's so excited herself to walk, you know, past the Aurora secret area because people have seen mountain lions there during the daytime. So um, I don't know how it's going to be resolved. I just, I want, I want to feel safe. I want the people that live in that area to feel safe, and I hope that there is a way to find a happy medium for everyone. Well, we're we're continuing to have conversations with the Department of Wildlife and Sheila Kuehl's office, and I understand that they have offered to uh, assist you and and give you uh, four or five fully enclosed enclosures uh, that are made out of chain link. Uh, are you going to put those up on your property and take other Absolutely. That is measures. incredibly kind of them, and I really appreciate it. You know, they're the, like one of the few people that reached out in a helpful mode. A lot of people that reached out were um, um, subtle threats of violence, <laughs> vitriolic rage, um, that the alpaca, um, oh, that, the, that the mountain lion might be um, disturbed in any way. Even even move. Some people thought moving it was worse than death, and were um, outraged. Yeah, it was. They were quite vocal and passionate about it, and I actually liked the passion that I saw. I mean, I I, I wish it was not uh, so heated and, and directed at you in an adverse way, but I like the passion. I like that everybody really cares about this mountain lion and, and our mountain lion population, and I think what's really good that came out of this is a We've got a solution, which is you're going to put up these enclosures and take the other measures, uh, protective measures and anti-lion measures that are not harmful to it, 
that uh, Jeff suggested and some of the other experts suggested. That's great. But I also think it's great that some some light has been focused on this issue, and we're asking the state uh, Department of Fish and Wildlife to uh, – you want them to capture particular lion as part of their normal monitoring process, like they captured it when they put the collar on it, the, the tracking collar, and just to give it an exam and see if it's still, you know, it was it was obviously wounded, and uh, the, you want them right. to give them ex, give it an exam so they can determine if that wound is having any effect and needs any right. medical attention. Right, and maybe there's something else wrong with it too. From what I read on the internet, the times when mountain lions do attack um, bikers, hikers, and children is when they're injured. So just check it out. Maybe something else is wrong with it. Although Jeff says that this is not unusual behavior for for mountain lions, and that was actually really surprising for me. So. Yeah, well, it's good to get the information, and I hope that the state will uh, take action to at least catch it and give it a full medical exam and give it any treatment that it wants, and then the state can determine whether they want to relocate it or keep it here. I know that there's a big issue about the genetic biodiversity of the mountain lion population in the Santa Monica Mountain, and that this particular lion's genetics is really good for the local population because it's not... It's not a rel- it's not a relative of of the other fifteen lines that are there that are being monitored, and so right. that it could it could help uh, diversify more of the gene pool. What, what, can you talk about that? Right. Um, he said he's not actually sure where the genetics of C forty five come from. Just ask. He's not sure if it's coming from the northern area or from the more eastern area. But um, he he did say that it is crucial for this particular mountain lion to continue to propagate because it is so genetically different from the um, the existing, I guess he said it was 243 miles, the area of the Santa Monica Mountains, I think something like that, and that everything in that area, if there's a risk of it dying within 50 years, if genetic material isn't brought in. So that's why he's such a rock star for people, and that's why people are really so excited about his presence there. And I'm not really sure how he got there, but he's there, and he's, um, he's a potential breeder. And so um, I'd ask, well, what's the possibility of getting someone else who isn't so aggressive? Because, you know, with animals, um, a lot of times they have the same disposition as their parents, and it seems like it would be nicer to get a mountain lion in that area that's genetically diverse but isn't so attracted to um, people's dwellings. And um, I'm really not sure what's going to happen with that, but... um, but I did notice that they say that they're they're tracking the um, the lions and not the deer, not what the deer eat. I mean, not what the mountain lions eat. So it seems like, you know, if you're tracking an animal, you should also be tracking its major food source as well, just to know if there's a good, um, you know, ratio between food source and and predator. Right. So I, I guess where we've left it is. Uh, you know, I spoke on your behalf with the, the director of the Department of Fish and Wildlife, and he said that he's going to be reviewing this with his staff, and we will have continued conversations uh, with them on what to do in this particular situation, and that you're not going to take any action on, on the permit, but you're hoping that the state will take action that it determines after consulting with its own experts is prudent, including giving it the medical exam and treatment that it might need and making any decisions as to whether it needs to be relocated or any of those type of things, right? Right. 
Okay. Thank you for coming up with some, many of these ideas and reaching outreaching to these people. Although Sheila was Sheila Cool did contact me um, directly, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, her office was particularly helpful. Um, I, I spoke with Nicole in her office, and uh, she had some great ideas. And she arranged. She's the one that that talked to. I think the Mountain Lion Foundation, but uh, she's the one that talked to that that put together this whole thing where. Uh, they would provide these enclosures to you without charge, and uh, Sheila Kuehl's office would help uh, expedite the permit process. And uh, she informed me that you don't need a coastal development permit to put up these uh, fairly simple but sturdy enclosures um, that, that you can get really a, a good simple exemption. Yeah, that was that really critical A lot yeah. of the people you know, felt really hamstrung by the fact that it's hard to get stuff through quickly and that the, what was suggested to them was like maybe a 12-foot high fencing with three feet um, going perpendicular to that, you know, two, maybe two feet or one foot, you know, but they felt, you know, mountain lines can jump over a school bus the long way, so how can that possibly help us? And they can understand that exasperation and desperation in trying to, you know, to you know, do what's legal, but also do what's safe. Yeah, exactly. And and you know that's the that's the thing about this whole situation. There is a balance, and when things are in balance, it usually works. And things got out of balance here. Um, the balance is normally that there's some wild wild animals that are predators out there, like coyotes and bobcats and mountain lions. And we know they're there, and we take reasonable protective measures. But we know that, you know, occasionally we lose a cat. Occasionally we lose an alpaca. Um, it happens. And you mourn that, and you're sad, but that's kind of the price of living in the mountains. Um, but when that got so out of balance where the local your, – your local neighbors, just, a, just not even a lot of neighbors, um, but in a very – concentrated area lost 65 of their animals in, in in less than a year that seemed way out of balance that's what started all these problems and it, i think it's i think it's really good that we have the makings of a good solution and that we figured out a way to preserve p45 and, and not kill this magnificent animal i know you didn't want to do that uh, but at the same time uh, have some significantly increased safety for your own animals and some further understanding that it's, it's uh, that this this lion is not likely to attack any people and hopefully... I really hope that's true. I hope that's yeah, true. Exactly. All right, well, Victoria, thanks for taking your time today to be on our radio show. Uh, again, this is Kuzik Law's Fighting for Justice, a special segment, and we really appreciate Victoria's participation and we really participate uh, appreciate your decision and your help in focusing attention and light on this issue and hopefully the state will come up with some good solutions after consultation with experts and give this uh, mountain lion an ice medical exam and come up with uh, some more permanent solutions that will uh, make the local community there feel safer and happy. Thank you, Reed, for all your very good efforts in that regard. Okay, Victoria, I'll talk to you later. All right, bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening to Kuzik Law's Fighting for Justice Radio with Robert, Mark, and Reed. Remember to check us out at KuzikLaw.com. That's KuzikLaw.com. Each week, we analyze civil cases in the news, trends in the law, and all legal current events. Thanks for listening to Kuzik Law's Fighting for Justice Radio. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.